But um, I do think like somewhere down the line, it'd be really cool to do international global public health where you be it because I got to spend five weeks for a rotation in Africa in June. Um, it wasn't really as much as like intervention and helping out, but it's kind of observing um, HIV treatment and just kind of like healthcare in Malawi in like mm. Central Africa. So that was really cool. And you'll see a lot of like epidemics, like there's the uh, Ebola and then obviously like Zika virus. They'll a lot of times hire health care professionals to kind of go somewhere for five years to kind of figure out what's going on and help integrate into whatever healthcare system that they have going on and kind of troubleshoot a way to manage that epidemic or whatever's going on there. Good morning, everyone. This is Jared Bass with Mark McCann. You are listening to Triumph Every Day. We discuss the journeys that shaped the lives of our guests and how it brought them to where they are today. And uh, we usually say special guest, ultra special guest. Haley Burhands? Nailed it. Burhands. I was Burr-hands. informed that it is a made-up name. As far as I know. As far as you know, it's a made-up name. As far as I know. When can we start? Do the Ancestry.com. Oh, yeah, but then you get to the point where you had to pay to figure out what really happened, yeah. and that's where I cut it off. Yeah. How much did you care? So, why why is it a fake why is it a fake name? Because if you search, it's literally only there's like a, a family actually up in Pennsylvania that has the last name, our family, and then some some randoms in like South United States. And but so your family's like no not else. from here originally. No, my dad's. Uh, some Western European compilation of white people <laughs> my mom's yeah, Middle Eastern <laughs> from Lebanon. So we got at least Lebanon, but uh, yeah. other than that, other just countries. some Middle Eastern or Middle European, uh, Something. some guy. Yeah. He's a guy. Yeah. Well, that's cool. And then do they immigrate here originally mm-hmm. or were they, they're, 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 so you're first generation born in the Second. Second. Yeah. My parents were both born here. Okay. Yeah. But their parents were immigrants. From somewhere else, yeah. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, cool. Uh, and then where where are, outside of uh, Europe and Lebanon, where are you actually from the United States? So I grew up in Erlanger. Yep. Born and raised. Born and raised. And But my parents were both from like Ohio and Michigan. But they moved here to work at Children's. Okay. So my brother and I were both born here. They all, uh, so we'll, we'll get to the medical trend in the family, I guess. In a the little nerd. Bit. The nerd squad. Yeah. So, uh, and we've known each other for, I don't know how long now? I think five, five years. Five years? This is when I started CrossFit, so yeah. Yeah. All right. So that's, that's and that's how we met, um, uh, met through the, uh, the old exercise realm. Um, but again, every time you come back in town, you come see us. So, um, and you are currently not living here. Correct. That's why you're visiting. I do home. not. Yes. So um, after you born and raised in Erlanger, mm-hmm. um, assuming you go away to college, and that's why you come back to visit. Mm-hmm. Where was that at? Yep. So I graduated from Notre Dame, and then for high school, and then I went to University of Alabama for college because it was free. And my parents advised me to go somewhere that was free. Not many people <laughs> can say that they got to go to Bama for free. I feel like there what was, was the name of the university. Of Alabama, University of Bama. They they knew Bama. Is that new? <laughs> They're new on the radar. Yes. Is it University new? of Nick Saban. I thought. <laughs> it's the, the Saban squad. Saban. Yes. What's it like going to that college and uh, did you visit the football games and? Oh yeah. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. 
the whole Greek scene was a little startling just coming from mm-hmm. I was labeled a northerner even though technically south of Mason Dixon is fine um, but it was a lot of fun you yeah. sound I, different you sound different <laughs> your A's are funny <laughs> um, but yes I did the football games I don't think I missed one mainly because for two seasons I worked in the skyboxes in, the, in Brian Denny oh, so I was required to be there yeah. mm-hmm, I got paid to be there which is great but even then, I don't think I missed a game. It was a ton of fun. What uh, what's the atmosphere like? Ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> like Wednesday, so if it's a home game, Wednesday before they like clean out the quad, which is pretty much clean anyways. So it's pretty much the center of campus, and then the stadium's like catty corner, and they'll start setting up like tents for people to come and set up their tents, their trailers, their TVs, everything. Like Thursday, Friday. I just imagine cattle. I don't know, it might be a mistake in Alabama, but like just There's no cattle. I bring it like my But whole, there are other horse. animals. <laughs> there are other animals. Like what? Depending oh, who we play. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Goats. Sixty thousand under How many people have you seen get arrested at <laughs> Yeah. Oh, God. A lot. So I've only been to a handful of Ohio State games. I'd imagine the atmosphere is probably pretty similar. Any big, any big football school is going to have that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of craziness. If you've been to like a Michigan OSU game, it's like that, but every single week, regardless of who they're playing. Oh really? Yeah, like they put in probably close to a hundred thousand people in the stadium, regardless of if it's. I, uh, I, so I went to school in Bowling Green, Ohio, which is technically a Division One school, but nowhere near on the map of an actual Division One. School. Western, right? No. Western no. no, the real one, Bowling Green, Ohio. Oh, sorry, so sorry. So, I'm thinking Kentucky. That's right, what he says because we're in Kentucky. But anyways, <laughs> so they we played Ohio State and we went down and we used someone's Buck ID to get in. I was some like Hispanic girls, like my buddy's <laughs> my buddy's girlfriend's sister, now wife is is her sister. Looks exactly like you. Exactly like <laughs> me, and we're sitting basically in the nosebleeds in the student section and like. I'm wearing orange and brown because that's our, you know, amazing colors because orange and brown looks so great on everyone. Hated you. And uh, <laughs> there's no trash talking because it's Bowling Green. It's not like a rivalry. And the only thing someone said to me is I was walking down the stairs and this guy was walking up the stairs and he just looks at me and stares and he goes, that's unfortunate. And just walked right past me. <laughs> that's was the only thing he said. That was the equivalent of my trash talking uh, at an Ohio State game. But what, uh, What'd you get a scholarship for? So they were doing this thing for about three to four years, and bless my mom because she found this out, where they kind of just wanted to bring up their academic attraction because it was basically just football and football, which worked for that. But as far yeah, as the university, it was a school. I thought it was just like it's just a football factory. compound, basically. <laughs> like, um, but so basically, the requirements to get a scholarship where you had to have above, I think it was a three-five GPA in high school, and then score a thirty-two or higher in your ACT, and it was fully paid for and then if you got like a 28 to a 31 it was two-thirds paid for Fantastic. and so, so you all of your were requirements. smart enough to go full ride yes i nailed so you, a 32 right on the head my mom so was like bye so <laughs> holy crap <laughs> i'm awesome. i'm so dumb i know i'm pretty sure i got like a 19 I'm not exaggerating. Pretty sure it's like all reading. So I'm just really I'm I've always been really bad at test taking. I'm much more of a logically I would say I wouldn't say the ACT is a intelligence reading. I would say it's a test taking reading. I'm more of a visual learner, so (laughs) (laughs) the whole bubbles just didn't work for me. Yeah. Um and also you were an athlete all through high school, Mm -hmm. correct? Mm -hmm. Did you continue that into college? 
So I got some scholarships to play in college, but they were play, kind of... Play what, by the way? Volleyball, sorry. I don't know if you guys noticed or not, but Haley's kind of tall. I'm kind of taller. I'm on the taller side. If you're listening. Yeah, if you're listening, you she's would kind know. of tall. How tall are you? No. I'm just shy of six foot. Mm. Just shy. So where does that put you on... Uh, I show you how much I know about volleyball outside of there's a net, a ball, and like, you know, people Six people. Involved. Yeah. I'll fill it in for you. Yeah. So wh- is there like a position that you play? So in high school, I was a middle, but if I was going to go play in college, believe it or not, I was too short to play middle. So I'd have to go to be on the right side as one of the people that played on the net. So and do they type for that. Like my, again, my experience is like beach volleyball and then you like do, you rotate and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So mm-hmm. like, how does, does that work the same way? Or is that just like something people make up for beach volleyball? No, it works the same way. And then like, so like for me as a middle, there's someone that's called a libero that can come in whenever they want. A libero. Free. A free player. A libero. So like when they come in, it doesn't count as a substitution, which is why they're named that. Gotcha. And then there's like DSs or defensive specialists. So like when my giant butt got into the back row, they'd be like, "Yeah, you can come out," and they put someone that could like play defense in for me, so I didn't have to do that. Gotcha. Yeah. So there's seven in and out people pretty consistently. Pretty much every time you rotate, there's probably yeah. someone that goes in, and someone comes out. What uh, <laughs> the thing about volleyball that I don't think I mean I've watched it, but like it seems very intense. mm Hmm. Like, it seems like it can get super intense. I've seen a lot of broken noses. I, yeah. yeah, a lot of just, like, not mm-hmm. seeing it coming kind yep. of thing. Mm-hmm. It's just a game. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> um, so then you got a couple scholarships, but you didn't pursue that. I did not. Um, there were decent schools, and they were mostly, not none of them are full rides. They were mostly paid for, but it was just kind of, I was at the portion where if I wanted to really be an athlete or be a student, and I was pretty sure I wanted to do pharmacy school. And then my mom found ways to go to school that were just academics. It seemed like a lot more fun to be able to go to school and like have a life. Have a life and, and be not, fun. not be a student athlete. Yeah. I do. I think there's a there's a lot uh, going on currently. It has been for some time about student athletes and like, um, you know, I think some people are under the impression that they just kind of like do whatever they want. And we all know that that's not true, even just in our small world of CrossFit, it's like if it's you to, to take the time it takes to be good at something, it mm-hmm. is an absolute job. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I knew you know a couple people played who played various sports through college, and it's one of those things where um, I had a buddy who was actually went to Finley, and I remember him telling me he was selling plasma. He was on a soccer team, played, selling plasma to basically because he couldn't work, but yeah. he still needed money. Yep. So he's practicing and studying so much. That he's selling plasma on the side and, mm-hmm. and blood on the side to actually make make money to get groceries with. So it's it's definitely no joke. It's not like uh, you know, you're you're going playing your games and like taking all the glory in, right? It's not like in high school you just get to boost your cool factor and you get oh, a jersey yeah. and roll yeah, right. out of there on Fridays early to go to the pep rally. <laughs> so get to Alabama and then do you immediately like did you go to Alabama with the decision that you wanted to go into pharmacy school? Mm-hmm. So I knew in high school I was able to because my parents worked at Children's. I shot at a pharmacist in the NICU um, for a couple of mornings, and then my best friend in high school's dad was a geriatric pharmacist, so I had exposure to it early on, and I was pretty sure that's what I wanted to do because other things just didn't appeal to me as much in the medical field. Um, So I went there, and I started off as a biology major and then switched to a chemistry major. I don't really know why. It just happened. What does that have to... (laughs) Does that lead into... 
Um, and again, forgive me because I, I don't know the process, but like, does that lead you into, like, is that a prereq for pharmacy school? Yeah, so a lot of your like pre-health prereqs are either in biology or in chemistry. So a lot of people just choose to be one of those majors because by the time you finish your prereqs for med school or pharmacy school or dental school, you've already got like 80% of your credits to finish that major. Gotcha, and then so you're taking more specific things pertaining to yeah. um, just the actual pharmacy portion, right? Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Um, so what's the uh, what's a what's a typical week like for someone who's pursuing a life in pharmacy? Yeah, bless. It's fun, not really sometimes. Um, so normally, like right now, or just like I don't know. Right um, now? I don't know. I'm kind of in the. In the in the thick of things, I mean, I think um, anytime you're pursuing some sort of degree, there's kind of like, you know, your peaks and valleys of like really busy times, really, mm -hmm. you know, a little bit slower times. Uh, maybe some of those heavier times where, yeah, I, again, I, I can't imagine the amount of stuff you you have to know uh, about different drugs, about different reactions with the body, about how different people will take mm -hmm. um, different drugs. What's that kind of, Creative. what's that, what's that uh, learning curve like? It was pretty rough because I actually, so at UNC they're doing a new curriculum and they want to do flipped classroom learning. So essentially we're responsible for learning everything before class starts and then in class we kind of take it to like a higher level where you talk about scenarios where, you know, things don't go X, Y, and Z perfectly to plan or you can talk more in depth about like certain reactions or certain types of people that it might affect. So we were the first class to go through that in school so they actually made us come early we did a month where they basically checked to make sure that everyone was at baseline, appropriate knowledge level, and then it was like first day of class. We took, I think my first semester was 22 credit hours. No, thank you. Including like lab, where you had to do like patient care, educating like people about things that I just learned the name of. Mm. So, so you just, you were talking about having a life and then you took 22 credit hours and mm -hmm. you didn't have a life. Yeah, zero. Yeah, mm -hmm. so what kind, of, um, what kind of scenarios did they put you in? Um, so for as far as like passing the first couple of semesters, you basically just are given like you stand outside at the end of a semester, you stand outside a door and they give you like a paragraph scenario. And it's like, Mark is here because he just started a medication for his atrial fibrillation. These are the problems he's having go in and like basically there's like 15 minutes worth of information that you're supposed to kind of have ready in your mind about things that Mark needs to walk away with as a patient. How did you know I had AFib? <laughs> Azothelioma? <laughs> I think all the the long syllable medication like all that stuff I would just be Google Translate all the all the words, like to learn how to pronounce them. I think that was the hardest part with my first year was <laughs> learning how to pronounce correctly all of the medications mm -hmm. because that is the first clue that you don't know what you're talking about. Right. Which, you know. Yeah. Yeah, because that would be obviously embarrassing. You know, somewhat embarrassing. Obviously, a room full of your colleagues, and you're like, "Oh, you just pronounced it wrong." You know, yep. Because everyone else knows it. I, you know, if you pronounce something wrong in front of us, it's like, "Oh, okay." Sweet. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like they should have like a, a a pharmacy school version of like the Oregon Trail, where you like have different paths. Like, oh, sorry, you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> you died. Um, so, did you? Uh, and not have, taking twenty two credit hours is, is that's a lot. Yeah, I mean, anyone who's who's done near that that top end is you're, you're not doing a whole lot besides going to school. Mm -mm. Did you athletic wise? Did you kind of pursue anything? Or you just 
I still, so I joined a CrossFit gym when I got down to Chapel Hill because I knew that I've always, I've always needed that balance regardless of what was going on. And I was like, even if I'm just making it twice a week, three times a week, then at least that's something. You need a release, right? Yeah. When did you actually start doing CrossFit? So I started at CrossFit Covington. Way back when? Was that after the, my first year of college. That, that kind of warehouse you won on Russell? Yes. With the so. two garage doors on mm-hmm. either side. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, you weren't the very first one. Um, and then, so that was your first experience. What was, mm-hmm. what kind of drew you into CrossFit? So after college, so my first year of college, I actually, I would just go to the gym and try and work out. And then I played club volleyball. So those are my two kind of like athletic outlets. And then after that, I was just really bored. Because <laughs> yeah. I was used to playing two sports in high school, potentially wanted to play in college, playing club year round. And so after doing that, I kind of just wanted something that was like that competitive community team atmosphere again. And But it was also like something new. Yeah. Um, I think that's, that's true for a lot of people. It was so new and so mm-hmm. different that like it just drew so many people in to where it was like, you know, it's not really anything when you look back at it, it's not anything new, but just the way it was, it was kind of promoted. Yeah. Like this kind of down and, and talked dirty. about. Yeah. It mm-hmm. was, it was definitely something that made everyone very, very excited to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, who, how'd you, like, how'd you kind of find out about CrossFit? You know, I was thinking about this the other day because someone asked me and I don't even, I don't really remember. I want to say that like at some point, like we had talked about like CrossFit competitions. Like I had come across something when I was in college. Cause there were a couple of gyms in Tuscaloosa my first year of college and they had like been advertising like CrossFit competitions. So I want to say that's how I like remembered the name. Mm-hmm. But as far as like, what was it about? I feel like I just like lifted up one day and my weightlifting background was not great at all. So I was like, hmm, someone that can teach me how to do that. That'd be nice. Yeah. And that's why I did it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Speaking of that, did, was, was there any sort of training throughout your your volleyball career as far as weight training or is it just practice volleyball we had some weights um in high school like preseason. We when we did like two a days one of those sessions would be weights yeah but i feel like it was mostly like some dumbbells some machines yeah. it was nothing like you know like it probably should have been and then for a club, we actually practiced at Xavier's Field House. And so we had their volleyball strength and conditioning coach came and did some stuff with us too. But because we were in the field house, there wasn't a lot of like actual equipment. Right. So it was still a lot of like explosive cardio type things as opposed to like weight, weight training. Yeah. Especially, I just asked because um, number one, A, with young females, um, you see a lot of knee injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, and two, with... Yeah tall young females there's mm-hmm. a, there's even more femur and tibia fibia to get in the way and like knees knocking together especially with, it's just a sport of jumping basically yep. and cutting um did you guys see a lot of injuries oh, oh my gosh i think every single one of my teams that i've been on at least two of the girls had had not one but two acl or mcl surgeries mm. i think everyone's sprained an ankle that's played volleyball ever yeah yeah i walk i can walk and sprain an ankle though so it's yeah. not saying a whole lot but when you're like 15 16 and your joints are pretty yeah shot already yeah yeah like Sorry, all it takes is a little oh, no, i was just gonna say it's gotta get convoluted at the net with like landing mm-hmm. on all of people's that feet. was another big that yeah. was always a big thing in basketball was like going up for rebounding come down on someone's let you know that's uh, all it foot, takes and then that's boom yeah you know 
game over. Um, so anyways, back back to kind of CrossFit. Sorry, I went a little bit of a tangent there. I was just curious because, um, you know, it's one thing that we, whenever we have young athletes in here, it's really hard because um, a lot of people were brought up with that mentality of just mm-hmm. like, I know Mark's had people where it's like, I want you to crush him. They're like, I need to teach this kid how to like move correctly, mm-hmm. like self, like body awareness before yep. we like crush him. So like a lot of people kind of skip that step of like, ladies, when you land, we do this a lot with girls soccer teams and you land and we do a broad jump and their knees kind of clack together. Yep. So it's like, we need to fix that before we start doing any real training. Mm-hmm. Um, so even just holding a plank, you know what I mean? Like just understanding like oh, I did that in this position, did you wrong. need to have a neutral, you know, pelvis and spine. And yeah. When a coach comes in and sees you like having a plank, you know, it's making a competition. Like, oh, what what is that doing for him? It's like body awareness. Yeah. yeah, they're 15, 16 years old, you know. And we actually recently, I know Jared trained the soccer team, um, had him in here, and they were showing him how to air squat properly. Mm-hmm. And they went somewhere else, and some of the girls worked out so hard they threw up. So they went with the place that made them throw up. And I remember that I took that call whenever the coach. Uh, called back in he's like really respect you know everything you guys are doing but they just got a better workout at the other place I'm like I mean we could just make them do burpees the whole time and yeah. hate I their lives think of something that burpee burpee you know, but it's, so it's just it, I, I always like no, digging, I wish I'd have that. digging into the past a little bit and like you know and again you don't know what you don't know and mm-hmm. I think the one trend that I'm seeing a little bit more than ever now is high school is actually hiring strength conditioning mm-hmm. coaches yeah. And especially at a high level. I mean, because, you know, especially with all the attention around, you know, obviously football is one of the most popular sports and concussions mm-hmm. and just training these people how to properly recover. Uh, obviously, just, you know, equipment's more of the thing with the concussion, but overall body health awareness. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and not to mention, you talk about jokingly about Alabama being an NFL factory. Mm-hmm. Well, oh, that's, not, that's not that's, but that's now starting at the, at the high school level is what I'm saying though. yeah no it yeah. is mm-hmm. yeah. you know well, I mean you, you know you see all these kids now I mean there's a kid right up the street at Covington Catholic that I've heard I haven't seen him yet um, but I heard he's an animal you know he's got a full ride to Notre Dame he's a junior and he's like 6'6 260 you know and it's mm-hmm. like he's 16 years old yeah, yeah. You know, if you got that kid, a, a good strength conditioning coach, mm-hmm. you know, and, and a guy that knows what he's doing, it's probably not, all right, man, let's get back and throw up some bench press. Dude probably doesn't need to work on just pure strength. He needs to work on more flexibility and mm-hmm. agility and, you know, because he's a tight end. Yeah. You know? Anyway, so it's just, we're getting smarter. Not only as pharmacists, being able to, you, I mean, you're on the front lines of that right now. Like you said, hey, we just started this new curriculum and, and we're, we're getting smarter. As mm-hmm. a, as hopefully as a society and when it comes to strength conditioning when we first started CrossFit you know me and Jared we talk about it all the time on, even on the podcast people probably get tired of it it's like we didn't really know that much now each year though we, we're what we're trading for maybe a little bit athletically hopefully we're replacing with wisdom and experience and trying to teach people you know, tell I keep, people so I keep telling myself like replacing. hey but you know, it's, it's we're doing rope climbs today. It's like sharing stories with, like, hey, look, don't make the mistakes I made. I used to just use my arms to try to get up the ropes, and that would be good for about three reps. And then after that, I'm dead. It's an 18 minute workout. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I got one round. Three. Don't do that. I did the first round in 30 seconds. Um, so you're almost. I don't want to skip completely past the pharmacy school stuff, but you're you're basically almost done, right? Basically almost done. Yes, three months of work left. Three months of work. So, you're, are you done with in classroom stuff? Mm-hmm. Yep. 
and then you're going to be officially a pharmacist. What title does that bring? Is that a doctor? Mm-hmm. It's a doctorate of pharmacy. So it used to just be a ba- like a BS in pharma, bachelor of science in pharmacy. And I want to say in like early 90s, they switched it over to a doctorate. Very cool. Mm-hmm. What's that feeling like? It's weird. It's weird? Yeah. What do you want to do with that? Like what's a, what's a, a good kind of path if you again we're right now yeah right now mark and i are going through some stuff uh talking about your perfect day so it's like what's your perfect Mm -hmm. what's your dream perfect job so now there's kind of like i guess two paths that people think about with pharmacy and it's like retail like when you go to cvs or walgreens and you see pharmacists there there's kind of like hospital um and so ideally i'm hopefully going to go do like some postgraduate training in a hospital setting I really like infectious disease and emergency medicine. Really like infectious disease. I love it. <laughs> That's a trick question because there's viral or bacterial or Whoa. fungal. Okay. I mean, I got one for each. But um, I do think like somewhere down the line, it'd be really cool to do international, global public health where you be it. Because I got to spend five weeks for a rotation in Africa in June. Um, it wasn't really as much as like intervention and helping out, but it's kind of observing um, HIV treatment and just kind of like healthcare in Malawi and like mm. Central Africa. So it was really cool. And you'll see a lot of like epidemics, like there's the uh, Ebola and then obviously like Zika virus. They'll a lot of times hire healthcare professionals to kind of go somewhere for five years to kind of figure out what's going on and help integrate into whatever healthcare system that they have going on and kind of troubleshoot a way to manage that epidemic or whatever's going on there we talk about perspective a lot on the podcast what was maybe a short takeaway from your mm-hmm. trip to africa um like, well, what should people in the u.s like wow you guys should really appreciate you know this or whatever i have never appreciated clean water more in mm. my entire life like i came back and turned on the sink every morning for just like a second and would be like i could have drank that Mm. Like that's nice. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, well, but that's... again, it's true because, and again, you don't say you feel bad about it, but you, again, you just don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and until you have that perspective, but again, it does make you appreciate um, things a little bit more. It's also it's kind of a double-edged sword because then things like that start to drive you nuts when you see people wasting water, mm-hmm. like throwing. A, uh, they take a sip out of a water bottle and throw the whole water bottle away, and yep. it's like you don't understand how valuable that really is. Well, yes. You know, Monday, um, at a place close close by, I won't, we won't say the retailer, but there's a big, you know, uh, membership retailer that we can see out the window of them throwing away probably hundreds of pounds of spoiled food. Mm-hmm. Not like, even spoiled food. Yeah, past, just past its spoiled best, sold by yeah. date. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it just, it kind of like, like, Hits you. you wish that obviously you could do something with that, but yeah. anyway, it's... Yeah, his perspective's huge. I've got uh, two big questions. Maybe one's a little more um, loaded than the other. The one's just maybe more of a, a personal um, annoyance than anything. Do you deal with anti-vaxxers? Oh, yeah. So I was actually operation immunization chair, which I know it sounds like whatever, but it was just as part of our student organization, and my job was to educate people about vaccines and to organize flu clinics in Chapel Hill and a little bit broader range um, every year. What is the logic behind people not wanting to vaccinate their children? So I think there there's a lot. And, I'm, I'm, and again, I'm only educated on one side, so I don't know if there's mm-hmm. 
So like, I, I, there are people that are listening that are members that, that don't believe in vaccines. Like, I'm not downing it. I just don't mm-hmm. fully understand, understand where, where it's coming, coming from. from. Um, so I think there's a lot also. Very funny recent BuzzFeed article about the best 18 anti-vaxxer statements, and they're very funny. I would okay. say my top favorite is that it wasn't in the Bible. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Anyways, um, I would say... I forget, honestly, and this is bad, what year the study came out, but there was this super bogus study that came out that said um, vaccines lead to autism, which I'm sure, like, I feel like everyone's heard at some point yep. in time. But when you go back and look at it, there's, it's kind of one of those things where they assign causality in a situation that you can't assign causality. They just drew a relationship and they said, this is what happened and this is why it caused it. Um, I think CrossFit's going through a lawsuit right now from that. Something similar. Yeah, something yeah. similar. So, and there is an increasing rate in autism, especially in the United States, more than likely because people are waiting to have babies till they're older. Um, but we don't know for sure. And so I think that that was unfortunately a scapegoat were vaccines. So I think that is one. And I also think that people think that vaccines make them sick, which if you've ever gotten a flu shot and felt really crappy the next day, it does, it does make you sick, but that's just kind of how you get an immune response Mm -hmm. is by getting sick, then your body is able to recognize it. So then when you're actually introduced to the virus, because vaccines are usually just particles of the virus, not the virus in its entirety, then you don't get as sick the next time. And so a lot of people will say, well, even though I've gotten the flu shot, I've gotten the flu. And then you ask them about their experience and they're like, oh, well, I just kind of, you know, felt bad for a day and then I was fine. But really, if you get the flu, um, you know, like a lot people of people- People died from the flu. Yeah, they get hospitalized. Yeah. yeah. I had the flu two years ago. It was one of the worst things I've ever experienced. Um, and you're a healthy, oh, and it, younger it, guy. It like, literally, I was like, I'm going to go to urgent care. Mm-hmm. I yeah. lost 20 freaking pounds almost. I um, It's crazy. And again, it's just one of those things where it just, it's so, you know- I'm, I'm to a fault sometimes I, I like to see both sides of the aisle mm-hmm. so to speak um, but I've, I've been failing to see that kind of side of the other aisle of you know it's like the reason vaccines work is because everyone is immunized and mm-hmm. when herd immunity mm-hmm. and then when people don't and you're already starting to see it where pockets of smallpox are coming back and measles and measles like mm-hmm. these things they're like were by pretty much all knowledge eradicated long ago because it was something that how much work at your current like kind of academia mm-hmm. with kind of modernization somewhat i guess remodernization if that's the term of you're seeing this trend towards like cbd and hemp and mm. thc and mm-hmm. marijuana mm-hmm. um do you guys you guys working with that stuff and mm-hmm. i mean i know there's you like got psil- 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 got psil- psil- i got a guy <laughs> but, but you know in all, in all seriousness i know we can mm-hmm. make endless amounts of jokes and, and whatnot but you know again I would like to just kind of hear your thoughts before I make mm-hmm. any statements on it because it's clearly being more legalized in California Washington mm-hmm. I but, sleep like a champ whenever I take CBD oil yeah so so just CBD oil is basically what you could think of as marijuana without the THC component which is the hallucinogen yeah. type yeah. component so you don't get high exactly off of CBD, but you get the other effects um, yeah. and so I was just at a community pharmacy for a rotation in October and they sold CBD products based um, it was the person that manufactured it was I think in Wilmington North Carolina mm. um, and you can either find them in capsules or droplets are kind of the two forms that they come in and so I think the main thing that people are usually using it for is kind of an adjunct to pain control 
Um, like medical marijuana can be used obviously for like nausea and pain. I think one of the biggest areas is people that are being treated for cancer and on chemotherapy. Um, so we have had some people and it's kind of interesting because treating pain is a very interesting topic right now with the opioid crisis and all mm. those things going on. Um, and so CBD doesn't really have a ton of bad side effects that we're aware of. Obviously, you have to worry we're, about where it's of, coming from. We're kind of our own um, test subjects as of right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of what I found is like there's not a lot of there's not a lot of that backed up data, but you do have to try it in order to figure out what those mm-hmm. side effects may be. And it's just like anything, I think, especially for like pain or adjunct for sleep. Like a lot of people will take it for two days, not like it's not working. What they do say about it is just like a lot of things is you kind of have to give it a week or two of consistency before you can really say this does this or it doesn't do this. Like I said, I, I, I have trouble sleeping in general and I take it, uh, when I do take it anyways, it's like an, it's like I deep sleep the whole night. Mm-hmm. It feels, it's great. And again, it's obviously a little bit yeah. different for everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, anti-anxiety, mm-hmm. um, inflammation, inflammation. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like there's a lot to be offered for it. I know there's some gray area about, um, Technically, under federal law, it's actually illegal, from what I understand, to sell it because it is a product mm-hmm. of marijuana. So, like, a lot of these pharmacies and local health stores are in this weird gray area of mm-hmm. whether, you're, whether you're illegally allowed to sell it or not. Yeah, and I'm not sure, obviously, it's like, so like each state is actually different about what schedule marijuana is under. So, North Carolina is this weird state where marijuana is actually a Schedule 6, which puts it in a very high category of bad drugs. Um, but there are places like, I don't remember what Kentucky is, but I know, I think it's pretty low schedule controlled yeah. substance here. So it's interesting. I, yeah, it's kind of like the vex, uh, the vaccination comment Jared was making. I just don't understand why I would get up to the schedule six, unless obviously you're making ridiculous amounts of profit. You know, if you're a drug dealer, let's be honest, you know, um, so, we anyway, brought in a billion dollars of tax revenue in Colorado after legalizing marijuana. So it's, it's like it's, it's one of those things. Like if you're tied in, tied in, you know, uh, labeling it with cocaine or you yeah. know, some of these obviously very terrible drugs, meth. Um, it's just it's not that. I think any anyone should be able to understand that. But yeah. anyway, unfortunately, unfortunately, everything just moves so slowly when it comes. I was to, about to say I'm pretty yeah. sure the scheduling in North Carolina was done in like 19. 19- 68 or 69 we just took a law mm-hmm. so <laughs> it's so old we're looking at like 2035 <laughs> i think i think at the it. i think at the time that was the substance that was laced and abused and so that's why it was put at that schedule which so before way before the internet yeah. yes yeah before the dial-up noise went away um <laughs> the the other big question i have is as someone who obviously takes care of themselves and um is very involved in their own health. What is your thoughts and feelings? Uh, and I don't know. Maybe I'm getting. Uh, I don't want you to answer it if it'll put you in a weird position. But like, what do you feel about the equivalent of like we have handicapped spots for people who are overweight? Mm-hmm. Like when it comes to like the pharmacy side of things, where it just seems like our first inclination is to like throw a pill at it. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously you. I think all of us in this profession know that like if you eat right and take care mm-hmm. of yourself, a lot of those issues that, that millions of people are dealing with kind of go away. Mm-hmm. 
So I don't know if you're mm-hmm. like, is there anything you can do as a pharmacist to kind of mm-hmm. turn people in that direction? Or yeah. is it just something that you got to follow the, whatever the doctor prescribes? So it's actually kind of cool. Well, first of all, caveat as a CrossFit trainer, I'd much rather someone come see me there than come see me in whatever place I'm working with as a pharmacist. Cause I just think that it's obviously a lot healthier, a lot natural, a lot more sustainable mm-hmm. than any pill I could throw at you. But I do think it's pretty cool in a lot of primary care settings. Like you go see your um, general doctor for physical every year. Um, North Carolina is a higher level state where pharmacists can actually be practitioners and they can see people for kind of long-term chronic diseases like diabetes, hypertension, stuff like that. And the first thing we're taught in school is lifestyle modifications. So teaching people what proper exercise might look like, what proper diet might look like, salt intake, all those things. And we're supposed to have that, you know, 20 to 30 minute conversation, whatever they want to talk about before we even say, and now you're at the point where you require medication and those medications look like X, Y, and Z. So it's a big part of what we're taught and what we're supposed to advocate for, especially in specific disease states where like type two diabetes and hypertension, lifestyle modifications, are the biggest contender to bring down those numbers or whatever you're looking at. Yeah. Cause that's, um, is that, is that just, and I guess you probably only have limited knowledge, but is that nationwide that a lot of places do that? Or is that just specific to where you're at? The national guidelines for treatment of both of those things tell you like, these are the things that you're supposed to do. I think a lot of times in a practice setting, a lot of doctors are crunched, you know, 15 minutes with someone so they can preach the same time. Like you should exercise 30 minutes, five times a week. You should stop eating junk food. Okay. But okay, now, see you later. Yeah. <laughs> because no one really wants to listen to it. So that's kind of one of the cool thing is, is now I think, especially in like a community healthcare setting, like if you go to CVS and Walgreens, if you have a pharmacist that really wants to get into their patient care, like they get those same national guidelines. And if you're walking in and I see that you're filling a drug for the first time, for type 2 diabetes that's a great time to step up and say what else what else have you been trying what does your diet look like like what are some things that i can get you in five minutes that help you maybe potentially make some better life choices things like that not i feel like personally because i always love to exercise i always ask people what exercise have they tried um and yeah a lot a lot them. of people yeah they'll get that one thing and be like well that didn't work mm-hmm. like well, i didn't like that it. was the only thing that you tried you mm-hmm. know it's um, and unfortunately, there's uh, a, a million different, you know, snake oils out there of like oh, belly yeah. fat. I saw one the other day: visceral belly fat, I like sixteen the, pounds and sixteen. I like days. the jigglers. Mm. You strap on Get jiggles your fat. Are you favorite. serious? Yeah. You haven't seen that? Oh god. Yeah. It's yeah. scary. Um, so as a as a CrossFit coach mm-hmm. uh, and someone who's on the medical side of things, how mm-hmm. do we? Um, just on the the fitness side of things reach out to those people that you know maybe don't have an answer but like more of an open conversation of how do we reach out to people Mm -hmm. to kind of get them to understand that like like a lot of this is is it's hard work but it's easier in the long run Mm -hmm. you know i think that's a huge that needs to be understood by a lot of people to where um taking care of yourself can be as complicated or as simple as you want it to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I don't obviously have a great answer for that. I wish I did. But I would say, like, I try to remember as a coach how much guts it took to walk into that gym for the first time, knowing that it was things that I didn't know anything about. It was people that, some of the people you walk in there and you're like, 
I would never be able to do that. And not to mention, you're coming in as an athlete. Exactly. I had a background of walking into spaces where someone could probably kick my butt, and I knew that that was going to happen. So I think I, I try to keep that in mind because um, we're kind of in a location chapel where we're in a strip mall, so we get people that pop their heads in all the time, and they're just like, what is this about? What's this place? Yeah, so... What, um... Uh, that That's... Empathy's huge, right? Mm-hmm. Coming, you know, we talk about it constantly is meeting people where they're at because so many mm-hmm. people I don't know who we just had a conversation about I'll never be able to to do muscle ups and like that's not a that's such a that's a, a fraction of a percent of the things that actually happen and you never mm-hmm. need to mm-hmm. yeah. you know one of the things that was coins like you know uh, muscle ups are a party trick yeah and they really are you know they're they, yes, they can be functional, like getting up and over something, but mm-hmm. there are so many other things that you can do that... So it's similar to like, I'll never be a doctor. Yeah. There's so many other things you can do. Yeah. yeah. You know? Uh, what do you think about the uh, CrossFit Health kind of movement with them empowering doctors to get mm-hmm. their level one and educating them? I actually just read that article the other day, um, and I thought it was pretty cool because... Um, I feel like Greg Glassman would be a very interesting human to sit down with, but yeah. he, he is. Yeah, from all from accounts, experience. he's. Super I mean, not cerebral, <laughs> super inappropriate, super. Yeah, that's what I kind of pick up on. Yeah, but like you said, like I do, I do agree. I think in the when I was reading about how he, you know, they bring in a groups of doctors now and mm-hmm. they let them get their L ones for free with hopes that they'll go back and kind of spread that mentality, which I think is kind of funny because I feel like that's going to perpetuate the cult thing. But what he said is like most health professionals are tired of seeing people that could be healthy in otherwise normal settings. Mm-hmm. The reason that they want to become doctors, pharmacists, nurses is so they can take care of those sick people that are not sick, quote unquote, by choice. Mm-hmm. They do have some genetic abnormality mm-hmm. or some unfortunate traumatic situation that is causing them to be mm-hmm. ill. And it is kind of true. Like a lot of my friends that are doing primary care, they just every day they're like, I, I feel like I'm... You're beating your head against a brick wall. Yeah. Because you're seeing the same people with the yeah. same problems do the same things over and over again. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, they're they're in their minds they could be making the right decisions because they're being fed basically BS by the, the stuff they eat, you know, mm-hmm. like literally it's like go down the little frozen food aisles like healthy choice. Oh like, my gosh. That's not a healthy choice. Is it, is it just like generational incompetence? Like is it that simple to think like like family after you know what I mean it's like you see you know this person sees their mom or dad you know get workers I think that that and just like environmentally I feel like I don't know I mean this is just a whole other topic but just like the shift for technology unfortunately Mm. I think people have been able to find information so they think they can treat themselves and they don't have to listen to what their doctor's saying in front of them because he's oh, 97 years old and doesn't know. Right. Where the internet, Wikipedia was updated five seconds ago, so it must be right. I think that's hard. And I also think that there's kind of just this culture as like America has accepted people getting bigger and overweight as like, yeah. it doesn't really matter because there's something that can fix it. Mm. Yeah. Which isn't, it's true, but it's not true. And I feel like, like self-image is something where, and you know, we're, I feel like one of the few countries that make things in the sizes that we do. Yeah. And it's tough Just too. Just because be- it's true doesn't make it right. Yeah. It's yeah. tough too because you do have to respect people's um, persons and you have to mm-hmm. respect their feelings and you do have to understand where they're coming from. But then you also hear words like fat shaming and it's like, 
uh, and things like that. It's like, and this is, yes, there are people who say wildly inappropriate things to people when they shouldn't, mm-hmm. but I feel like it's tough because you tow this fine line of making, not making a comment, but even just discussing someone's weight with them, and mm-hmm. you, you had this, now you're vulnerable of someone saying that you fat shamed them, right. or you, you know, you attacked who I am as a person, like, no, it's coming from a good place. It's mm-hmm. just a really tough discussion to have. And mm-hmm. a lot of people, unfortunately, are not willing to have tough discussions about anything, not just weight, not just it's, about their health. It's, it's tough yeah. to not get emotional, you know, in, in those environments. Yeah. But again, talking about where people are coming from with a lot of technology where you have a, you have a sounding board that's at your fingertips 24-7. And, and believe me, it 100% can be used for good. You see it used for good. Um, every day, mm-hmm. every single moment. I mean, the technology for fitness too. Is yes, yeah. it's it can be it can be wild. It can be used for wild good or mm-hmm. or wildly inappropriate and bad things. And unfortunately, a lot it's just easier to focus on the bad things than it is to focus on the good things. And I think 100%. and I think change as far as like health and habits. I mean, when I started CrossFit, I would say I was definitely like 10, 15 pounds overweight which was like the first time in my life I would ever have considered myself overweight. Losing weight is hard. Changing your habits is hard. It's not fun. Yep. <laughs> you have to look in the mirror and be honest with yourself and say, these are the things that I'm doing that I might want to change. And then, you know, just like we were saying with like CBD, giving it two weeks, you have to stick with it for two weeks to even be honest with yourself about, yep. you know, uh-huh. is this getting better or not? Whereas taking a pill every day takes 12 but seconds. Hey, wouldn't you also probably agree that college for you has been hard? and it's not like oh, just yeah. taking a pill and I feel like there's just so much to be learned from from struggle mm-hmm. you know and, and like you said what I was kind of referring I don't know if labeling it like generational incompetence is the right way but it's just these habits you know I think everyone has an opportunity to break their cycle mm-hmm. you know, whatever family that is yeah um, you know for me I was always athletic growing up and that's probably what kept me relatively fit but mm-hmm. I was eating like crap you know like yep we I used to eat macaroni and cheese before football games because we thought it was like gonna give me energy. Carbo load, baby. Yeah. I ate pop tarts for breakfast eight years. I don't. I don't feel like you can use that as as an excuse with no. all the tools. I mean, because even in the probably the poorest communities, you minimally mm-hmm. have access to a public library, hopefully, um, or internet. You know, the internet, even if at a slower speed. So, it's it's one of those things that if if like I said, if you want to find it. The information can mm. be out there and be used for good, or it can be ignored and used for leisure, mm-hmm. or it can be, you know, tossed aside and used for hate. Yeah. You know, like it's just one of those things, that. like, yeah. uh, you know, it's just speaking of that two brain business, it's like mm-hmm. money doesn't make someone bad and greedy. Being bad and greedy makes you bad and <laughs> greedy. Money is just a yeah. tool that if yeah. you want to use it for good, use it for good. If you want to use it for bad, use it for bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the other things about like generational things is. Like a lot of the, cause we do have some, um, we coach some high school kids in our gym and it's like, they're a lot of, I feel like the kids coming up behind me are just so afraid of failure mm-hmm. and it's like, you're going to fail, but like yeah. their parents don't want them to, or they don't want to, or whatever is causing people to not want to get to that point, which mm-hmm. I'm not a parent, but I know that my mother was protective and didn't want me to fail well, either. It's, it's tough, right? Because you are the, the goal as a parent mm-hmm. is to make sure that your child succeeds more than you do. Mm-hmm. I mean, that every, there's no, there's nothing wrong with that. No. But what what tends to end up happening is then you get into this 
mother lion mode mm-hmm. and this protectiveness and you're never given a chance to fail mm-hmm. and so when you do you don't emotionally know how to handle it yeah or it just inhibits people from even trying. Or which yeah, is what we see a lot of exactly. times. Exactly, and not to mention, you know, go back to the the fact that you know you have this kind of front page in front of you at all times of just like highlight reels of how amazing stuff is that people are doing, and mm. there's no, there's zero people going. This was my starting point, yep. and this is how many times I screwed up to get there. Mm-hmm. The people who are going to do it are going to do it regardless. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a given. Mm-hmm. It's that 80, 10. 80, 20. Yeah. 80, 10, 10. 80, 10, 10, right? 10% you get, of people are never going to get it. 80% of the people are trying to get them. 10% of the people are going to do it regardless. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? So, like, we, we are trying to work with those 80% of the people, trying to get them to understand that they can be in that 10% yeah. of people that will get after it and make big, big, big changes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's just... It's, it's an ongoing struggle, you know? It's an ongoing struggle personally. Mm-hmm. So, I think of it, especially this time of year, right? You, got, you just had Thanksgiving, eating all the food, now you got all the Christmas cookies. People people know when they're not making good decisions. Oh, yeah. And guess what that perpetuates? It perpetuates mm-hmm. self-doubt, mm-hmm. Um, I'm a slob, or it's just like all these negative kind of thoughts, right? And that's why, you know, honestly... Or I'll start... After the new year. Yeah. I'm just going to let it go. And it's like that just... February and you haven't really started. But in their mind, they're like, well, I can just do whatever I want to do because I'm already told myself that I'm going to be better in the new year. Mm -hmm. When in reality, it's like you can make better decisions meal to meal and be better off. Mm -hmm. You know? Sorry, Mark. No, you're good, man. Um, You know, it kind of goes back to just taking ownership of your Mm -hmm. freaking life, you know? Absolutely. And getting your butt up and start moving. Mm-hmm. You know, and I know we t- mentioned like perfect day and stuff like that. And I feel like more and more we're just under pressure to be all the things, you know. So, like Ooh, Jared yeah. said, you know, we don't have we don't have kids or anything like that. So, it's like, I gotta be the perfect dad, I gotta be the perfect employee, mm-hmm. I gotta be the perfect boss, mm-hmm. I gotta eat perfect, I gotta exercise. Oh, I gotta, I gotta have the perfect picture of each day, <laughs> I've gotta go on the perfect vacation, I've gotta. So, it's just like so much pressure. And then it's like, oh, a pill can fix that. Or, oh. That takes one thing off my list. This website, you know, whatever whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And then before you know it, you're kind of snake bit or whatever. And you're in this perpetual loop of, oh, wow, I'm I'm stuck. Mm -hmm. And I think what gets a lot of people unstuck is vulnerability or trying something new. But that's hard. It's very hard. And I don't want to do that because mm-hmm. I've been taught my whole life that, you know, it should be easy. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, it's tough. I mean, it's, you know, obviously we don't have all the answers, you know, but I, dude, I can't stress getting in a, getting plugged into a community of people that are like-minded, mm-hmm. that are pursuing something good mm-hmm. is pivotal because this lone wolf, you know, mentality of like, I can do it all on my own. It's, it's, it's a myth. Yeah. It's pre- I mean, don't totally get me wrong. There's, there's some one percenters out there that are absolute warriors. I'm listening to David Goggins' book right now. He talks about it. Dude's a, he is a one percenter, you know, but guess what? The majority of us are. Need a little in, help and motivation. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and, and, and guess what? There's places out there like a CrossFit gym, like mm-hmm. whatever, you know, it doesn't have to be just CrossFit, but get plugged in somewhere, you know, to. You need, everyone needs accountability. Yeah, absolutely. Know? So, 
So we went down a huge rabbit hole there uh, for a little while. No, 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 it's very good for all of us. Um, but I do want to just quickly wrap a couple things up. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you are a CrossFit coach. You are mm-hmm. finishing out um, your schooling. You mm-hmm. talked a little bit about where you might want to go. Mm-hmm. Um, again, if you had it best of, of any way you could have it, how would you? How would your like you know ten years out from now look? Mm, that's hard. That's very hard. Um, honestly, I feel like I'd probably be working in like a big just kind of trauma center at a hospital. Um, I feel like kind of like emergency medicine and pharmacy is kind of a very up and coming place and it's a place that um, there's a lot of opportunity to kind of make a difference in those people's lives that come in and out of emergency departments, especially ones that treat it like a primary care clinic where they don't go see a doctor ever. That's a big problem right now. Yep. So um, I feel like there's a big role for me as a healthcare professional there. So I feel like in my first five to 10 years, seeing as much impact as I can make in that setting. Do you think that CrossFit is going to be still a part of that? Mm-hmm. Yep. I do. I just think it's like something, you know, I've moved. I've been a part of four different gyms and I feel like the main thing, it's like my checklist when I move is find a place to live, find a grocery store and find a gym because my gym is my outlet. It's my friends. They're definitely, I mean, I have really great friends in pharmacy school, but my gym, I actually live with the owners of our CrossFit gym because I love them so much and I force them to live with me. Um, so it's just kind of like one of those things where I've always had it and it's, it's great. It's a community of like-minded people, um, that like to do fun things and occasionally, you know, go do things non-sweaty, which is yeah, nice. More, it's more than fitness. Yeah. It's more than fitness. That's, yeah. that's one of the misconceptions of it. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it can't be, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't mean you can't like go out and have a beer, you know, and, yeah. and, eat, and eat a cookie. Oh we, my God. We do this. So that I can drink beer. Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. You know, uh, and there's nothing. There's nothing wrong with that. Nope. You know, I just wrote a little blog post just about like, if if you say it's anything other than vanity or there there isn't vanity involved, like you're a liar. Yeah. You know, there's there's nothing wrong with that. You could do a lot of other things if it was just that. Yeah. Um, and then we always finish out with just a, a quick question, and that is, uh, what is your definition of success? Mm. I would say my personal de- definition of success is waking up every day and being able to do something that I love with people that I love and ultimately going to bed feeling like I accomplished something. Simple, straightforward. That is that. 32. Fantastic. (laughs) Well, uh, what's, what's the gym that you, that you currently are at? Um, it's CrossFit Chapel Hill. CrossFit Chapel Hill. Mm -hmm. And, uh, where are they at? Where are they located at? In Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Yeah, and they have a website. We can shout them out. CrossFitChapelHill.com. So if you guys want, if you're ever in the area, um, check them. Where where is Chapel Hill, like in relation in the state? Uh, It's pretty much smack dab in the center of North Carolina. Okay. So if you're ever in the area, Mm -hmm. for all the people that uh, regularly travel to North Carolina. Pretty close to Raleigh and Durham. Yeah, there you go. Uh, You can check out CrossFit Chapel Hill. Check out Haley. And, um, you know, get your butt kicked by her. And uh, thank you all for listening to Triumph Every Day. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube, iTunes, and everywhere else your favorite podcasts are found. You can find us at triumphstrength.net, on Instagram at triumphstrength, and Facebook at facebook.com slash triumphstrength. Thanks again. We'll see you guys next week.